You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. Into week three we go here on the Sunday spread, of course, on QL Network. And those of you watching on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash betql at betql app on Twitter. Alex Gold, Grant Paulson with you. And Grant, uh, thank goodness for prop bets. Prop bets are, are keeping me afloat so far here in the early portion of the NFL season. How about those underdogs so far in the first two weeks? Yeah, you got to love it. I'm a prop bet guy. I, I like betting on individual player props. Because if you get the game script right often, you have a pretty good feel for what players are going to do. If you think a team's going to be chasing, you can go with an over in passing yards or receiving yards. Some of the other stuff's tougher to predict, but I feel like that actually leans on whether or not you got right how the game was going to play out and suffer to get a bad beat. Doesn't mean that you can't get a bad beat. You and I will find those this year, (laughs) but it's a little bit tougher. And two weeks in, let's keep that in mind. It is just two weeks. We got the additional week this season as well, but there's a couple 2-0 and teams. We already have one 3-0 and team in the NFL. That's those Carolina Panthers who got the win on Thursday night football. And we, we know the numbers probably have to be adjusted a little bit because of that additional week, but about 60% of the time, if you're 2-0, and you make the playoffs. And certainly once you get to 3-0, and those numbers increase as well. And if you just take a look at who those teams are, who are we actually buying into? Because – Carolina's 3-0. I, I believe they're going to be a wild-card team. Look, they still have the Bucks in that division. But at 3-0, and you look at the schedule that they have, it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine them, even with the Christian McCaffrey injury, that they don't find a way to get in the playoffs. But what's more interesting to me is out of the Broncos and the Raiders, Grant, I mean, those teams have favorable matchups this week. There's an all likelihood both can get to 3-0 and after Sunday's action. Last year, all the 3-0 teams in the AFC to start the season made the playoffs. Are we are we ready to do that again? Because with the Raiders, I, I could see that happening. The Broncos, I just they have, I mean, they're playing college teams right now so far, Grant. Yeah, so you go through them. First of all, Carolina is a good example of why I don't believe in this as a rule. I think generally, if you get off to a 2-0 start, it does mean that you're solid. And if you're solid, you have a chance to make the playoffs. But they lose Christian McCaffrey. They lose J.C. Horn to a broken foot. It's about to get tougher for them schedule-wise. One of those wins, obviously, against the Jets, another against the Texans. So am I buying in? Yeah, I think they're a lot better. I think Matt Rule's doing a hell of a job. I love Joe Brady's offense. I think Sam Darnold uh, has gotten lucky to get out of New York and is in a pretty good situation is playing good football. But I'm not ready to say they're going to make the playoffs. I want to know how many games does Christian McCaffrey miss out on? When is he back and available in himself? If he misses an extended period of time, that's a very different offense, a very different team. And then in the AFC, I have believed in the Raiders before the season started. It's a big year for their general manager, Mike Mayock. Even though their head coach, John Gruden, is not going anywhere, it's a big year for him as well. And for their quarterback, Derek Carr. I mean, a little bit of a referendum on him this season. It seems like John Gruden's always flirting with other uh, people walking past the table as he's dating Derek Carr and going out to dinner <laughs> at the quarterback position. And he's been fantastic. It's very early, but through two games, I mean, he's a bit of an MVP candidate. So I'm a big believer in the Raiders. I think they're legit. I love their offense. And for that reason, I'm not a big believer in Denver, who hasn't played anybody, as you said. 
this league's about offense. Can you throw the ball? Can you score? Can you amass yards every single week? And I just don't know that they're going to be able to hold up. Good defensive team. Vic Fangio's going to have them playing sound defense all year. But that normally doesn't put the Triscuit Crackers in your stomach in the NFL in 2021. And then we get another rookie this week, another rookie starting quarterback making his debut. Uh, Matt Nagy was forced on this one. We know he, he did not want to do it despite all the pressure from the outside. But Justin Fields will make his NFL debut. Uh, good luck on the road against Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns defense. He gets thrown to the fire. They had no choice. And I think we just know the history of how this goes, Grant. Uh, this is Justin Fields' team now going forward. I, I Andy, Andy Dalton. Uh, unfortunately for him, he has a knee injury. Matt Nagy, unless Justin Fields gets hurt in this game, this is done. Like, we just look at the history. You know, there, even in, in Washington, I think we were looking at some numbers actually over the last 20 years or so. There's only been three or four instances where uh, a rookie quarterback made his debut in season and then didn't start the next week. Like, it's just, it doesn't it doesn't happen. One was Patrick Ramsey, by the way, for, for your Washington football team back in the day. He didn't. And then I think it was like Shane Matthews ended up starting the next week or something like that. But this is Justin Fields' time in Chicago. Yeah, and Steve Spurrier was the head coach then, so nothing matters. and uh, <laughs> that, We should act like that never happened. Plus 270 on the money line, I'm pretty sure, for Chicago. Still, I just saw on the graphic there. I don't like that money line play, but seven and a half points for a defense of that caliber is a little bit juicy. And the Browns, I mean, they have not necessarily looked like you thought they were going to. They've been involved in a couple of overs. Uh, at this point, you, you saw they hung with the Chiefs, but didn't end up finishing the game. And then the Texans were out in front before Tyrod Taylor got hurt. So could be a decent situation if you wanted to uh, take those points with an underdog in Chicago. But specific to Fields, look, he's an athlete. He's going to make plays. He's got a big arm. He can make all the throws. You saw that in the game he played, even though he had a bad completion percentage. If you watched the game, and I did, you know, a lot of deep throws toward the sideline that either could have been caught or were right off the fingertips. I think he'll settle in. I'd like to see him scale it back, though. It's okay to check it down. It's okay to throw it around the line of scrimmage. He was really trying to go down the field. Uh, and, and as you saw with Zach Wilson last week, that is a dangerous thing for a young quarterback. But he's going to make some plays with his feet. I just want to see him get the ball out faster. Had a big sack fumble, had a bad interception. Don't think so much. It's okay to hit the first guy that you see that's open every now and then to get into the flow of the offense as a young quarterback. It is the Sunday spread here on BetQL. Alex Gold, Grant Paulson with you. Of course, we'll get to our pick six coming up in the next segment. But it is time to go around the league, starting with that 1 o'clock Eastern time slate. The Colts and the Titans, this game in Nashville. Carson Wentz, a game-time decision, it appears. I think a lot of people may be surprised he even practiced on Friday. And I, and I felt like the Titans, who are four-and-a-half-point favorites, the total in the game at 48-and-a-half, that Titans offense got back on track last week. Yes, it was against a poor Seattle secondary, but still to go up to Seattle in that environment and get a win in the fashion they did was awfully impressive. They were they were trailing early, still waiting for A.J. Brown to get rolling. But, you know, I've been down on the Colts heading into the season. I'm looking for an 0-3 Colts start to get me feeling really good about my, my season win total under nine. I believe the Titans continue to impress going forward and get A.J. Brown involved. They got Julio Jones involved. Now time to get A.J. Brown involved in the offense. Titans bottom three and allowing sacks 12% of their pass attempts. Could be a chance for the Colts pass rush to get going. How about the Falcons and the Giants? Someone does technically have to win this game, I would think. I guess they could tie at 0-0. The Giants are favored by three. Totals 47 and a half. You'd like to think that this could be a get-right game for Matt Ryan, who threw two pick sixes last week. Taylor Heineke on Thursday Night Football 
carve the Giants defense up. Atlanta comes in 23rd on defense, 29th in offense. As for the Giants, the story is interesting. We thought this defense would be good. They're 24th in yards per play. Kenny Galladay's yelling at offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. That was one of my favorite stories of week two, by the way, Alex. I wasn't mad at my quarterback and being irresponsible and yelling at him. (laughs) I was being irresponsible and mad and yelling at my offensive coordinator. I just loved that story out of New York. uh, Someone's got to win in this one. I'm with you on that story. I thought it was fantastic as well. Next up, how about we go to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. The Steelers, three-point favorites, the total at 43-and-a-half. Cincinnati's looking for their first win in Pittsburgh since 2015, and Joe Burrow looked terrible last week. Three straight picks. Their offensive line is, is still a problem as well. The one thing keeping them in games has been their defense. I think their defense has been a pleasant surprise there in Cincinnati. Meanwhile, we know the Steelers are coming off that loss against now the, the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders. Big Ben looks old, and you lose Deontay Johnson, who's out with an injury. T.J. Watt is questionable. This is a Steelers defense that surprisingly got carved up by Derek Carr a week ago. This, I think, is it, the spread's about right. This is going to be a really close game. I expect this to come down to the wire. This is one where I'm actually staying away from the spread. I like the total in this game, uh, in particular the the over but I don't like the spread. I think this is this is right on. I'm staying away. Steelers win in week one as a six-and-a-half-point dog and lose in week two as a six-point favorite. Now, one of those teams early in the season where you're trying to figure out what they are and we haven't been able to yet, but I'm with you. Just doesn't look right with Ben Roethlisberger again, and now he's already banged up and won't have his most targeted receiver, Deontay Johnson. We mentioned the Bears and the Browns, so we can be quick here, but it's a seven-and-a-half-point spread. Cleveland obviously favored 44 and a half is the total. The Bears won this past week despite a, th- I should say, a, a 3.4 yards per play. I mean, because the Bengals were so bad and threw interceptions on three straight plays, they still held on to get the win. Uh, they led by 17 in the fourth quarter before giving up a couple touchdowns to make the game close. As far as Cleveland goes, I thought they really struggled with Taylor's mobility. Tyrod Taylor made a bunch of plays, extended some plays, rushed for a touchdown. Maybe that's a good omen for Chicago as Justin Fields takes over that offense. Browns have hit two overs at this point uh, already this season. How about Detroit and Baltimore? We know the Ravens, who are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, the total of 58-and-a-half. We know the Ravens coming off a massive win on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. I think that's the type of win that potentially – excuse me, can propel you going forward. But they got multiple guys on the COVID list. Lamar didn't practice a whole lot this week. Overall, I think the win last week propels the Ravens, but this is a dangerous spot with all the injuries, everything going on with the team, the high from the win over the Chiefs. I actually kind of lean Detroit to cover in this game against the Baltimore Ravens. I like that. They've had great halves. They just haven't put a game together. Uh, They were up 17-14 at halftime against Green Bay before being outscored 21-0 in the second half. These two teams, by the way, combined 4-0 to the over early this season. Saints-Patriots, this game's going to be fascinating to me. You got New England minus three, a 42-and-a-half total here. Both teams have yet to play in a game that hit the over. New England was minus seven on the look-ahead line, and the market is not reacting at all to the Saints' awful loss to Carolina. I guess the odds makers think week one was more legitimate than week two for the Saints, who were... The most impressive team in the league in week one and maybe the most disappointing last weekend. But uh, as as far as New England goes, Mac Jones has done a nice job protecting the football. They turned Zach Wilson over four times. 
Belichick was able to confuse the quarterback. Can they do it again this week against Jameis Winston, who crashed back down to earth in week two? Yeah, you called uh, you called the Jameis Winston deal. Like, which Jameis Winston is going to show up? I mean, he still hasn't thrown for over 200 yards yet to start this season. Uh, the other game, how about Jacksonville and Arizona? The Cardinals, seven-and-a-half-point favorites, total at 51-and-a-half. I mean, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags just flat-out look terrible. Yes, it's a big line. I, you know I'm a little more cautious when we get up above seven. I still think you have to play, <clears throat> play Arizona here. Yeah, Arizona 2-0 and Jacksonville winless is kind of all you need to know about that 7.5-point spread. But there's also some style points that came with this, as you said. And Jacksonville, your point, has just been horrendous. Uh, they failed to even cover with all the points they're getting in either of their losses as well. The look-ahead line was 2.5. These two teams can't be more diametrically opposed in terms of how things are going, which is why this line has grown so much. The Jags, just 7 points and 200 yards of offense last week against Denver. I don't think the Cardinals defense is nearly as good as the Broncos, but Trevor Lawrence is just not comfortable yet. Let's go to Buffalo. Uh, Bill's Mafia going to be crashing through tables back at home in Orchard Park. How many have you crashed through? I've crashed through zero, but we did put my producer through a table (laughs) on uh, the show I do for Odyssey in D.C. every day uh, this week. He actually crashed through two tables. Very nice job by my boy Ryan. (laughs) Uh, Washington's favored twice to start the year and didn't cover in either game, but they are one and one They'll be a dog on the road for the first time. Buffalo seven-point favorites. This line actually opened at nine and a half, and I put a bet down on Washington because I liked that number. It was juicy. Um, obviously, it's come back just a little bit for people at this point. Bills are one and one as well, but you've seen them. I mean, Alex, their offense has been really sloppy. Josh Allen is not playing like he did when he was an MVP candidate last year at all. Both of their games have gone under the total. This could be a low-scoring game, but that would mean Washington's defense is going to get its act together against Allen and this Bills offense. And the big story in the nation's capital is Taylor Heineke getting the start for the first time on the road, this time against the number two defense in the NFL through two games in the Bills. Yeah, Bills fans have to be uh, a little concerned uh, so far with the play of one Josh Allen. Next up, we mentioned the Broncos off the top. They are 2-0, and and I think soon to be 3-0. and They're 10.5-point favorites as they welcome in the New York Jets. The total for this game, one of the lowest, if not the lowest of the week, 41.5. Yeah, how does the Jets offense, how does Zach Wilson respond after four picks against the defensive mastermind in Bill Belichick? Uh, good luck. You're going up against a pretty damn good defense again here with the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater looks good. He's not making mistakes. The Broncos have a very soft schedule out of the gate, uh, but they're going to get to 3-0. and And that number there, I'm going to go with the total and like the over at 41.5. That number at 10.5 is a lot of points, despite how the Broncos have played compared to Zach Wilson, the rookie quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater teams generally always cover, but that's I'm with you. That's a huge number. And the Jets actually, in a four-interception game, they got beat handily, but they didn't get demolished uh, this past week. How about the Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders out west in Las Vegas? I love this matchup for Vegas. 43.5 is the total. They're 3.5-point favorites. Derek Carr's on top of his game, the best we've seen him maybe through these two contests. And I think, Alex, they've got the best resume in football right now. They go and beat Baltimore in week one, then go on the road in Pittsburgh on a short week and pummel the Steelers last week. They might 3-0, and and they might be able to cover this number. 
Yeah, you can believe in the, the Raiders a little bit more than some of the other teams that have found themselves undefeated. Real quick, Minnesota-Seattle, the Seahawks coming off an overtime loss. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites. I like Seattle a lot in this game. A lot of points. The total at 55-and-a-half. Look for Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson to have a massive day. Up next here on the Sunday Spread, it's our favorite bets of the week. Pick six on BetQL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thanks for hanging out with us as we continue to get set for week three of the NFL. Slade, Alex Gold, Grant Paulson with you. We'll get to our Sunday studs, our favorite player props here in week number three. That's coming up in a little bit, but we always start it off right now with the pick six. The pick six. Six picks are three favorite bets apiece. Grant, I'll let you get it started off here. And uh, right now, Grant's up on a couple games on me so far against the spread. So i tell you what I do is I'm looking for predictability like everybody else. That's how you bet, right? There's very little about the NFL that's been predictable so far. But one thing that I can count on is the Jaguars being terrible. And so I'm going to take the, the Arizona minus seven and a half to cover that number against Jacksonville. Lost by 16 week one. The Jags would have lost by 17 in week two if you take a kick return out of the equation, which is unsustainable. Manage just seven points on offense. And frankly, the Cardinals are prolific and dynamic offensively. Watching them against Minnesota last week, Kyler Murray, he leads the league according to Pro Football Focus in big time throws couple of interceptable passes in each of his games as well through a pick six early in the third quarter against Minnesota but I think you can make a throw or two like that and it's going to be okay against Jacksonville because he's going to make enough big plays both with his feet and his arm so I'm going to take Arizona to cover that seven and a half I just think they're a ton better than the Jags and right now I'm going to bet on a team that hasn't been good being bad yeah I mean there's very few teams that have looked better than the Arizona Cardinals here in the first two weeks of the season. And nobody that's looked worse than the Jags. So I think uh, most people are probably going to lean that way if you take a look at where some of the public money is for that game as well. All right, first one up for me in the pick six, the Tennessee Titans, four-and-a-half-point favorites. They're at home. They're taking down the Indianapolis Colts. We already addressed this a little bit, but the injury status of Carson Wentz, certainly a huge factor in this game. We are not 100% sure if he will play. It seems like a true game-time decision by the time we get to kickoff in this game. If not, it's Jacob Eason and then Brett Hundley was getting reps. But even if Carson Wentz plays, I've been fading the Colts throughout much of the season. I'll admit last week, I'm going to keep doing it. Last week, it got me by a half a point against the Rams. But I'm so down on the Colts heading of the season. I know the Titans rank 30th in, in defense, depending on what the, the DVOA metric and football outsiders you look at. 
But guess what? It's not like the Colts defense who we, we prop up quite a bit. Uh, their defense is 26, so their defense hasn't even been playing as good. They've still got some injuries on that offensive line a little bit. I'm, I'm just bullish on the Titans despite their week one showing against Arizona, who, as you just said there, I mean, I think they may be better than people realized heading in. That was an impressive road win for Tennessee to come back in overtime and get the victory. They started to get Julio Jones more involved. Derrick Henry, not just on the ground, but how about Derrick Henry in the passing game? 55 receiving yards the big difference hopefully this week if you're a titans fan is you start to say hey when's aj brown gonna have his big performance we haven't seen it yet but i like tennessee minus four and a half against the colts henry by the way leading the league as you know with 240 yards rushing 201 of them have come after contact that would still be leading the <laughs> nfl just his after contact total uh, just an incredible start to don't his season. Don't you feel like Grant? Like, don't you feel like he's you know because everybody figures with running backs. All right, there's that time where you fade off. It seems like he's going to be the Adrian Peterson type, the rare type that at 31 yeah. he still might be an 800 plus yard back. Yeah, I mean he breaks every rule with running backs. So why not break another one? I mean I wouldn't be feeding running backs or having big physical bruisers anymore. I'm looking for athletic guys who can catch the ball to the backfield, but. Henry is in a league of his own, a world of his own, man. So, yeah, I absolutely am with you on that. He's going to continue to keep chugging. And I'm going to pivot to my second game here. This is not a team that's going to feed the ball to a back. It's a team that's going to sling it around. I love the Raiders against Miami. You were just talking about not knowing if a quarterback's going to go or not in the case of Carson Wentz. Well, we know that Tua Tungavailoa is out for the Dolphins as they head on the road indoors to a pretty hostile building, second game ever with fans at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And I just really like the way Derek Carr is playing. I'm not sure the Dolphins have an answer for a Darren Waller. I like that the Raiders have their vertical passing game working with Henry Ruggs having hit a couple home runs over the last couple of weeks. And I think this Vegas team is legit. I'm not sure they win the division. They look like a playoff team. I'm also not convinced the Dolphins aren't going to have a really, really long season. I'm, I'm not a big believer in Tua. I don't think it's a huge drop-off, frankly, that Jacoby Brissett is going to start this week. But they just got blown out by 35 points in a division game against the Bills. I don't like them in this spot in a bounce-back attempt against the Raiders. I'm, I'm right there with you on, on this game with the Raiders. I'm, I'm going to ride the Raiders while they get this quarterback play from Derek Carr. So I'm also on the Raiders minus 3.5. Right now, I'll continue to roll with them. But we usually don't see the Raiders continue this once they get into November but we're only in September uh they were six and three last year they finished with eight wins so I'm not convinced fully that the Raiders are going to be a 10 plus win team yet but right now with the type of quarterback play they're getting from Darren Carr uh, Derek Carr that is and Max Crosby on the defensive side who looks like a budding superstar all of a sudden uh, and good for him by the way with everything that was a great feature on him a couple nights ago uh, about where he's been in his life the regression, I think, comes, but not this week, not against Miami. I love the Raiders, minus three and a half against the Dolphins for the quarterback reasons you mentioned there as well going on down with the Miami Dolphins. All right, my, my third pick here is in the AFC West as well. It's the Chargers and the Chiefs, but it's the total over 54 and a half. I mean, this has shootout ridden all over it. Justin Herbert, yes, has struggled in the red zone. But they're fifth in yards. They've had no issue moving the ball. And we know Kansas City defensively has given up eight touchdowns and eight red zone trips. So something's got to give there. Not to mention the Chiefs offense, despite losing to Baltimore, they've combined for 68 points. And you just start to look at both of these defenses. They can't stop the run. 
The Chiefs are dead last against the run. Over 400 yards given up in two games. Oh, yeah, the Chargers, third worst against the run in football. Frank Clark's doubtful. Chris Jones and the Chiefs' number two corner are questionable. Points, points, points in the AFC West. I don't think either team's going to even try to run the ball. I mean, they might not be able to stop the run. This is a good week for it because Andy Reid doesn't really want to run the ball, and the Chargers have shown no real propensity to do so, but I'm with you. Both teams can also throw the ball, and neither team has been all that great at, at stopping that either. So I love the over in this game. That makes sense. I, I thought about it, but here's my third pick. I'm going to stay in the AFC West as well. We're playing in the AFC West this weekend. The Denver Broncos, are we sure – they're this good, this 10-and-a-half-point favorite good. I know they beat the Giants by two touchdowns. I know they beat Jacksonville by 10 points. I know that they're playing another bad team in the Jets. Call me skeptical, dubious, whatever you want. I don't see this offense being good enough this weekend to cover that big of a number. Those types of spreads, Alex, as you know, in 10-and-a-half-point favorites, they're normally reserved for these high-octane elite teams. I just don't put... Denver in that category. So I think the odds makers are really looking down on the Jets more than they are up or, or, or favorably on the Dolph, uh, on the, the Broncos. And one other thing I'll say is Zach Wilson was a disaster last week. He threw four interceptions. He's a better player than that. I think he'll have a bounce back. They'll put him in some good spots. They're going to make some decisions easy on him. If they don't throw four interceptions in, in that Patriots game, <laughs> that's a, a closer game. So yeah. I, I just think that they're not as bad as everyone thinks right now, and the Broncos might not be as good. Yeah, I just want to know how many times is Zach Wilson getting sacked with that defensive front. I know Bradley Chubb was banged up a little bit this week, but this is one where I just stay away from it. I I, I think it seems to be seems to be too many points for for me on this one. The total I think is actually about right in this game as we discussed earlier. But the Broncos, if we're looking at all the undefeated teams, they're the one I think everybody's the most skeptical about, and, and understandably so, despite what has been solid quarterback quarterback play from Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos. Those are our pick six here in week three. We've talked about the teams there. What about some of the players we're focused in on? Let's get to our Sunday studs. The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs. All right, let's keep this thing going. We've both done very nicely with some of these prop bets in our Sunday Studs. I take you to Seattle and Minnesota, a game with poor secondaries, a game where I expect a lot of points, and a game where I expect Justin Jefferson to have a monster showing. Over 75.5 receiving yards is what I really like here. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, I think will be able to air it out all game long. Dalvin Cook's a little banged up in this game as well. Uh, Trey Flowers is expected to match up with Justin Jefferson. Good luck with that. I mean, the guy's allowed about 80% catch rate so far two weeks into the season. And even if they try to mix up the assignment, Bashad Breeland on the other side has been getting towards. So I just, uh, for, for, for even DK Metcalf, I just think this is a game where both DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson are really strong plays. I'll lean towards Justin Jefferson on the prop, but I also will put a little bit on DK Metcalf. But give me over 75 receiving yards for Justin Jefferson. He's off to a slow start this year. They've heavily involved Adam Thielen, and they've even got uh, a third receiver now. K.J. Osborne involved in the offense as well. So it'd be great to see him break out. Uh, the, the prop I love the most probably individually this weekend, I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones. And I'm going to take Jones. They're going to get the run going this weekend to rush for over 57 and a half yards against San Francisco. I think this will be a close game. Game script will allow the Packers to stay balanced, which is 
kind of a staple of the Matt LaFleur play-action offense. San Francisco is giving up 5.04 yards per carry early this season. That's 28th <laughs> out of 32 teams. I really like Aaron Jones between the tackles running for possibly 100 yards, but I think he'll be well over the number. Yeah, that, that number, I mean, it's like, what, what do they know that we don't know, right? That number at 57.5 does seem awfully low when you put it in perspective what you just mentioned about the yards per carry the 49ers are giving up. I agree with you that this game should be a close one, and so it, it seems like this is going to be a full-on all four quarters, full game plan that they're going to have to utilize. Nobody's going to be able to back off from what their, what their game plan was. I like that one as well with the running backs. I'll, I'll stick with a running back for my next uh, Sunday stud as well. How about Austin Eckler? Let's go right back to that that shootout game we were referencing with the Chargers and the Chiefs. Austin Eckler, I think his yardage number is a little bit low here. 54 and a half rushing yards. I just mentioned the Chiefs have the worst rushing defense in football through two weeks. And yes, it's been against two what we consider to be better rushing attacks, maybe two of the best, the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then, of course, Lamar Jackson and what they did last week and him in particular. But this is Austin Eckler, who I believe not only will be involved in the running game, which is what the prop bet is, but also heavily involved in the passing game. I actually think Austin Eckler's in for just a massive game against this Chiefs defense. You look at the, the linebackers, it's a huge issue for Kansas City. They, they're slow, Grant. This is the, the big problem with this defense. They're slow. They don't have a lot of athleticism. Their one linebacker that has some speed is on IR. I think Austin Eckler on the ground and through the air has a really big day on Sunday against the Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs dead last in a lot of categories defensively. Yards per game and per play, rushing yards per game and per play. They're also 31st in passing yards per play, which is why I, too, will attack that defense with my next individual prop. I got Keenan Allen going for over 80 and a half receiving yards. You and I are both tapping into this Chargers offense with some off-injured guys. I'm always nervous about going heavy on a prop with players that – often get nicked up during games so that's my one concern about this you know christian mccaffrey this week i had a prop on him Perfect i thought there's example. no way he yep. won't and the next thing you know he's well on his way to a massive game and he's on the sideline in the blue tent but i think if, if keenan allen can get through this game healthy he's gonna put up 117 120 yards i think he's gonna feast the chiefs defense i mentioned that they're dead last in yards per passing play 9.89 yards per play against the pass i mean that is a, it's unsustainable because it's outrageously bad. It's only been two weeks. But he should be able to take advantage. And historically, he has torn up the Chiefs secondary. You're right. When he's healthy, he has ate this secondary alive in Kansas City over the years. And with Charvarius Ward, the Chiefs' number two corner out, that means all of a sudden you shift up Mike Hughes to the number two corner, maybe Rashad Fenton. DeAndre Baker's going to be active. I mean, yeah, this is uh, – uh, even more banged up defense than where they were based off the performance that we've seen so far. So I'm with you. I think Mike Williams has a big day too. This seems just like this is all about shootout here in this game. The last one I have for you, Grant, on the Sunday studs, uh, for me, if you take a look with the Denver Broncos going to that Jets game that you were referencing, Javante Williams, he's been sharing time with Melvin Gordon. I continue to think we're going to see Javante Williams get more and more time. Over 52 and a half rushing yards. Last week he had 13 carries for 64 uh, the Jets are horrendous. I like a lot of late carries as well with a with a big lead uh, to help get the over on this one. Javante Williams, to me, is going to continue to get more of a share of the carries as the season goes on, and I'm hoping that is today as well. I agree with you. My only question would be, if they're up big late, do you salt the game away with the veteran, Melvin Gordon? So he needs to make, I think, his plays, his yards got to come probably early based on game script, but I, 
I think that that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with similar kind of a game script bet here. I think the Lions are chasing. I think the Ravens are going to beat them. Baltimore is going to run it all over them, and they're going to be behind. And that's why I like a number that I think is way lower than it should be. Jared Goff, 262.5 yards through the air. The Lions can run the ball, but when you're down, you're not able to. And so I think in the second half of that game, playing from behind against a Ravens defense that has been porous and susceptible, got more holes in the secondary than a spaghetti strainer at this point. I think he throws for 275, 280, something like that, and he makes some big plays down the field to get him back into the game to get a cover. Yeah, and to go along with that, I mean, look at TJ Hawkinson and Quintez Cephas. It seems like those could be some guys that pick up some yardage late, too. So I'll, I'll pair up your, your Jared Goff and say maybe look at some prop bets for a couple of those weapons that he has as well. Those are our Sunday studs here in week three of the NFL season. There's a couple big-time games to take a look at, though. It's our spotlight games of the week. How about not only the Chargers and Chiefs, a little Sunday afternoon showdown in the NFC out in L.A. with the Rams and Bucks, and then, of course, Sunday night football, the Packers and the Niners. This is the Sunday spread on BetQL. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, don't forget we got our Hail Marys coming your way here in just a little bit. It's where we take a long shot that we like each week. Grant's got one. I've got one. So that's coming your way in just a little bit. But it's time for a few of the spotlight games of the week. This is a great slate, Grant. I mean, this is fantastic Sunday night football. You've got Green Bay, San Francisco. I wanted to to start, though, with a noon slate or at least 1 o'clock Eastern time, noon Central time game in Kansas City with the Chargers and the Chiefs, the Chiefs seven-point favorites, which I think is a a pretty rich line there, to be quite honest with you, in favor of Kansas City, considering their track record of being able to cover some of these games. The total, 54-and-a-half. We already addressed the total a little bit, but just this game as a whole and what it means. I I think this is a massive game, clearly, for both teams, but in what it can mean for the long-term future of the AFC West, not just this year, but years and years to come. Herbert versus Mahomes. When we look back, we know Tom Brady, the dominance of the AFC East. He never had a, a top 10 quarterback to, to deal with. There was Chad Pennington's and Cleo Lemons and other guys of the world, right? And J.P. Lossman to deal with in the AFC East. That's what's interesting about this game. This is really, to me, the first Mahomes-Herbert matchup. I know there was the week two last year, and, and Herbert gets you know the start last minute because Tyrod Taylor's lung gets punctured right before kickoff. And then week 17 last year, the Chargers beat the Chiefs, but... That was a game in which Mahomes and the other starters did not play. So I, this is the first big-time showdown, and and I think this is a statement opportunity for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. If they go into Arrowhead and get a win, Grant, I mean, that changed the complexion potentially of how we have to view the AFC West a year earlier than I think a lot of people thought. Yeah, and the Chiefs are not this insurmountable, immovable force anymore, right? I mean, they, 
this defense is a problem and it's going to keep teams in games. Now they're going to win way more of them than they lose because they've got Patrick Mahomes and an offense that can't be stopped, but it's going to keep teams like the chargers in games. And it's going to give them hope going into games like this one that they can knock off Kansas city. You mentioned their issues covering the spread. I just wanted to address that really quickly. It's pretty staggering. I mean, for people that don't know, the Chiefs are 0-2 against the spread this year. They have now failed to cover in 10 of their last 11 regular season games, which is just crazy when you think about how dynamic this offense is. Uh, They're a team that gave up 481 yards last week, 251 of them on the ground, and obviously that's Lamar Jackson and that's Baltimore. But there's major issues here for the Chiefs on the defensive side of the ball. Having said that, while I like... L, uh, the the uh, LA Chargers and the points. I still think Kansas City wins the football game, but you're right. This division right now looks loaded. The Raiders, the arrow is trending up. Derek Carr's playing great football. We've documented that. The Broncos are going to be 3-0 and after this week. They're going to beat the Jets, and they'll have played three of the five worst teams in the league to get there, possibly. <laughs> yeah, But 3 and is 3-0, and and they're going to be in the mix at the end of the season for a wild card, possibly playing the defense that they do. The Chargers are the team that I think a lot of people kind of thought coming into the year, Alex, was a preseason flavor in the division. Everyone thinks they're pretty good, right? But at some point, good teams have to play good. They beat Washington by being great on third down in a game they easily could have lost in week one. Week two, they have a couple touchdowns taken off the board. They lose to the Dallas Cowboys. So you want to see them really start to become what we all think they can be. And this is a weekend where they could pass a big test. It's not uh, often here in Kansas City where there's been discussions about the Chiefs being in last place, but that's what's at stake in this game for the Chiefs and the Chargers. And to your point about the Chargers' bigger picture of what we expect them to be, if they lose, which on the road in Kansas City is not a bad loss by any means, but if they lose, they go to one and three, and then they get the Raiders, I believe it is, on Monday Night Football in week four. I mean, that that sets up to almost a must-win game that week if if you're the Chargers. I mean, it's just a massive game already for three weeks into the season out at Arrowhead. And something's just got to give in this game for both these teams. The, the Chargers have moved the ball, but they have struggled in the red zone. And then you highlighted the Chiefs' defense there. I mean, in the in the defensive of spot on the red zone, the, the Chiefs are 8 for 8 and giving up touchdowns. That's not that's not the, the 100% that you're looking for uh, by any means. So we'll see how this one plays out. I'm with you that if I were to bet the spread, I'm taking the Chargers plus the seven based on the Chiefs track record here as of late. I just love the total. That's the only bet that I have on this game in particular. As we continue our our spotlight games, how about one of the the late kickoffs on Sunday afternoon out west in L.A., Rams, Bucks. This this line has shifted, by the way. The Rams were once favorites. The Bucks now minus one and a half. The total at 55 and a half. And to me, this is the game where on Monday morning, the winner, people will be saying, is the team to beat in the NFC. If that team is the Rams, for example, and I think it is, I like the Rams in this game. If it's the Rams, all the conversation will be about Matthew Stafford vaulting up the MVP odds list because that's exactly what will happen. Right now, Tom Brady is, of course, vaulted up, understandably so. But this has massive implications for how people are going to view the NFC and who's the team to beat all season long. Yeah, so I love this matchup for a bunch of reasons. Most notably, though, Tampa Bay has done whatever they want on offense. Tom Brady has nine touchdowns. And we're all doing the throw a party for Tom Brady every time he drops back and plants his back foot thing. And we should. Like, he's been amazing. But they have not played a good defense yet. 
Dallas's defense is improved, but in week one, I thought really struggled. And Atlanta's defense is really bad. They just don't have the horses or the players right now. A lot of things have come very easily for Tampa Bay. This is not going to be that. Now, if they go out and they hang 30 and they put up 420 net yards and Brady and that offense average six and a half yards per play, your boy's going to be singing a different tune next week. But you're about to enter the big leagues here. You've been tearing up the AA Eastern League. You've been killing it in the AAA Pacific Coast League. We're about to get called up to the majors now to take on Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and a Rams defense over the last couple of years has been as good as there is in football. I think this offense regresses to the mean. They've had some COVID issues, including Antonio Brown this week. And I expect this to be a lower scoring game maybe than people think. I think the Rams win as well. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bucs won. But really, for me, the stunner would be if they're able to move the ball and score like they have in the first couple of weeks. I think there's a little bit of fool's gold to this passing attack being as unbelievable as it has been. I think it's good, but they're playing at just a, a crazy level where he's on pace for 70-some touchdowns. You know that's not yeah. going to sustain, and it's all going to come crashing down this week, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a matchup. I cannot wait for this game. And also, I mean, just not only is it Brady who continues to play at a high level despite his age, but all of a sudden, Rob Gronkowski as well is back to being the Gronk from the New England Patriot days. What he's been able to do the first two weeks is what, to me, is what's the most surprising thing right now about Tampa. We know about the defense. We know about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. Uh, and you're right, he's on, he's with dealing with COVID and doesn't seem likely he's going to play. We'll, we'll see how that all pans out. But it's Gronk suddenly that that to me is a, a difference maker again, once again, in that that offense. It was funny. I, I saw this week, Grant. I think it was one of the offshore books, though. But they put out a, one of those maps, you know, that people like to look at. They go viral. And Tom Brady's the most hated player in the league in 36 states. People just hate him because he wins, right? People are just a bunch Who's of Who's the most hated player in the other states? I mean, I'm not saying you uh, should hate Tom Brady, but that's pretty <laughs> stunning to me. Yeah, there, the few other the few other players that were mentioned were uh, one state had Deshaun Watson, which frankly probably should be hated in more states, depending on where you're at with things right now. Uh, Jameis Winston is another one that's on the list, and Antonio Brown. Who hates Jameis Winston? He's just a, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe in college he did some things that you don't like, but he's just a funny yeah. guy. He eats W's. He recites poems. And both keeps <laughs> both teams in the game. He's fun to watch. I want to say real quick about the Rams offense. I would like to see them in this game. Now, I'm not a run-the-ball, establish-the-run guy. I think you spread teams out, you throw it, you use the width of the field. That's what works in today's NFL. But I do think this is a top-five offense statistically in yards per play under Sean McVay right now, 6.88. A lot of that has been that they've been able to get the ball down the field with Matthew Stafford. I'd like to see them get a little something going on the ground, though, at some point. They're going to need it. Maybe this is a week they can. They're averaging about 3.3 yards per carry, 27th of 32 teams. Only about 87 yards rushing per game, which speaks to the fact that they've played winning football mostly. Uh, but I just want to see if they can do it. That was my concern kind of about their ceiling coming in after some injuries at running back. And if they have to run the ball this week, I kind of like the matchup, but I'll be curious to see if they can do that. Sunday night football, it's a good one. Uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, the Niners, two and a half point favorites, the total at 50 and a half we know the Packers got back on track against the Detroit Lions after that terrible performance 
and week one against New Orleans. But this defense still a problem for me with Green Bay. They take on a Niners team that uh, hasn't got George Kittle going yet. Well, I think this is the week that that changes. And also, they've got more and more injuries in the backfield. It looks like the rookie, Trey Sermon, is going to be the guy for them based on the injuries in San Francisco this week. I actually like Green Bay, though. This is, to me, going to be a higher-scoring game. I think Aaron Rodgers, after that terrible performance week one against New Orleans, I think we're going to all look back and say that was just some fluky performance. I expect, to your point about your prop bet with Aaron Jones, I think he has a big game in this one. I like Green Bay to get a win and, and a massive one in the implications it has down the road in the season, much like we talked about with the Bucks and Rams for how people are going to perceive these teams in, in the NFC playoff picture. So I love the coaching storyline in this game. You got Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and Kyle Shanahan running the San Francisco 49ers. I covered both of these guys for four years on the beat on a staff in which Sean McVay was the tight ends coach helping them out in Washington, D.C., and I know those guys well. Big fan of both of those two guys, and I think that the drama between the two, them on Aaron Rodgers this offseason and whether or not Kyle tried to orchestrate a trade to San Francisco is going to be a factor and kind of their prep for this game. They always want to beat each other. They're buddies. But they're also, in the case of LaFleur, maybe mad this week going into the game at their buddy. All right, it's time to chuck it down the field a little bit. Let's get to our Hail Mary. It's now time for the Hail Mary. We go with some long shots right here before we wrap things up each and every week. I'm taking you back to that Minnesota-Seattle game. A lot of points, a lot of, a lot of points going to be scored in this game. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, a little shootout. Justin Jefferson to lead week three in receiving plus 1,300 at FanDuel. This is for Sunday games, so I don't care what happens on Monday Night Football. This is just for Sunday. I just need him to lead for Sunday. I think the opportunity is there for Justin Jefferson at plus 1,300 to have a monster day. I like that. I'm chucking my Hail Mary from a little bit further down the field. I found a plus 1,600 bet that I actually Ooh. like. How rare is that? Justin Herbert to lead all quarterbacks on Sunday in passing yards. Again, shootout. You mentioned it. Kansas City. Both teams are going to be throwing it a lot, and that is a defense that can be had. I think they're going to be chasing the game. I like Herbert to throw for 340, 335 in this game. That might do the job. I feel good about my Hail Mary. Normally, you're just kind of crossing your fingers and quivering. I think this could happen. Can't lose. The only way it's – maybe the guy on the other side of the field at Patrick Mahomes, that might be the only guy you have to worry about. Otherwise I, I, otherwise, I love the bet. Those are our Hail Marys for the week. Good luck in week three. We're back at it next Saturday, 8 o'clock Eastern, here on BetQL. This has been the Sunday Spread. Sunday. Get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on twitch.tv.